This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 9, verses 19 and 20. Psalm 9, verses 19 and 20. David says, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord, and let the nations know that they are but men. And on top of that, I'd like to read uh, an additional psalm, this one from Psalm 33, uh, which has some similar themes uh, as those two verses. So uh, turn with me to Psalm 33 for just a moment, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their lights. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He puts the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. And all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord nullifies the plan of nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. And the plan of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven, and he sees all the sons of mankind. From his dwelling place he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not rescued by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it rescue anyone by its great strength. I wanted to read those passages, especially in light of events in recent days where uh, political turmoil continues and there's a lot of uncertainty and certainly frustration and anger among our countrymen um, on, on both sides with regard to the situation in, in the election and the Senate and just the whole government and how it's functioning and operating right now. So uh, those passages remind us that God, first of all, reigns supreme. And especially in Psalm 33, the, the psalmist begins with, in verses 6 and 7, pointing out the fact that God spoke everything into existence and he brought all that order that we see in the universe out of nothing. And then he goes on to talk about God's uh, supreme oversight in regard to nations and how no thing, no nation will be allowed to continue any longer than God sees fit. It, it, it survives only as long as God see, sees fit and not a moment longer. And in Psalm 9 that we began with, the, the writer there is praying, let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord, and let the nations know what they are but men. And so the, the psalmist is showing us God reigns supreme. There's nothing beyond his control and will and knowledge. And he has a way of reminding people that of that fact. And he has a way of reminding nations of that fact. He's done so from the beginning of the human story, starting with the expulsion from the garden when the only two people who existed on earth rebelled against him. He cast them out of his presence and punished them. And then you have the flood that came in Noah's day in which the whole world was indicted except for one man and his family. And then you have Bible, uh, Babel excuse me, after that event where again the population of the whole earth came together and decided that they were going to glorify themselves in building this great city and this great tower. And God confuses them and scatters them. And then as civilizations and empires emerge, 
and they revel in their glory, God again proves his power and he humbles even the mightiest of those nations. Think about the exodus from Egypt and the conquest of Canaan and the overthrowing of even his own people, the Israelites, with the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and then judging Babylon with Medo-Persia, and then comes Macedon and Greece and Rome in, in sequence, right? And, and it all serves one purpose. Let me read Exodus 9.14, where God says to Pharaoh, I will send all my plagues against you and your officials and your people, so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. And Moses says in Deuteronomy 4.35, You were shown these things so that you would know the Lord is God, and there is no other besides Him. As he's referencing those events that they've witnessed that God used to deliver people from this most the most powerful empire in the world at the time. In Exodus 30.25, God says, I will strengthen the arms of Babylon's king, but Pharaoh's arms will fall limp, and they will know that I am the Lord. In Isaiah 45, verses 1 and 6, it says, This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, which was a Persian ruler at the time, to Cyrus his anointed, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him, to disarm kings, to open the doors before him, so that the gates will not be shut, so that all may know from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting that there is none but me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And so again, I say it is he who allows nations to form. It is he who sustains them. It is he who brings them to an end so that we may know he is the Lord. And so nations are going to rise and fall at their appointed times. What do we do? Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with him. We've had other discussions on this program where we've talked about Christians' responsibilities to civil government and how to, uh, you know, if a Christian is an employee of the civil government or what, political um, involvement if any a christian should should have and i'll we won't rehash all of that i'll refer you to those other programs that they're you know they're they're listed on our site um but when it comes to the the big picture and thinking about okay regardless of how we vote regardless of you know what what other political activities we may be involved in or activism or you know what what our job may be for the government what's a what is the big picture and what a Christian is supposed to do? And these Psalms remind us that it's stay the course. You stay the course. Let me continue reading from Psalm 33. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who wait for his faithfulness to rescue their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your favor, Lord, be upon us just as we waited for you. So stay the course in that we continue to be faithful. Walk by faith. Continue to trust in God. Continue to wait for him, to hope in him, to do his to do his will, regardless of what is going on around us. Because we still have every truth and promise and blessing that we need to endure. And that's not going to change regardless of who is president or what political party is in power in Washington or holds the most power, I guess I should say. And so we we should endure and we should anticipate a home in heaven, looking forward to that time. And I think even pray and should pray as 
David did in Psalm 9, where he says, Let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged. Let the nations be judged. Let them be condemned. Put them in their place, in other words, so that they will know you are the Lord. And I think we should pray that even for our own nation. You know, if if it all needs to come unraveled in order for people to turn back to God and to look to Him, well, then so be it. I mean, there's too much at stake. There's too many souls at stake. And, you know, who knows what God's, you know, ultimate plan is with regard to our nation and, and how long it will last. And But no matter what happens, those who are faithful to Him and His Son, the, the Christian citizenship is in heaven, ultimately, not anywhere in this world. And we're only sojourners here for a little while. And that's how we have to see ourselves. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, My righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I want to read uh, from Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where the prophet says, Though the fig, th- fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You know, Habakkuk lived in a time of great distress and anticipation because he knew that Babylon was coming to destroy his own people and to take them away into captivity. And he wrestled with that vision and had a lot of questions for God. But by the, the end of his book, it's only three short chapters, but he that, that's his conclusion essentially. There's more to it in chapter 3, but verses 17 and 18 capture what he intends to do. Even though all this terrible, you know, stuff is going to happen and there might not even be food on the trees and you know who knows what yet i will rejoice in the lord and i will take joy in the god of my salvation and we should do the same 